Welcome to Filled to Flourish with Luke and Lauren. Where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hello, everyone. We're so excited to be chatting with you today about uh, attachment and sex, this topic we've been looking forward to talking about. And now that we have some groundwork laid about what healthy and unhealthy attachment looks like, how we get there, um, how we move towards earning those healthy attachments with our spouse, um, this is a great time to talk about this this guy. I think it's a very important topic to talk about when you talk about attachment, when mm-hmm. you talk about marriage. Sex is very important in marriage, and attachment is going to have a big impact on how yeah. each person within that relationship is uh, interacting. Massive impact. Yeah. yeah. Why is that, would you say? Why is attachment so intimately connected to um, sexual intimacy? Because... Uh, As we've been talking about emotional availability, Mm -hmm. emotional connections, and how attachment plays a part in growing that emotional relationship, it's going to have a profound impact on how a relationship interacts within sex. Mm. Because the emotional, like sex isn't about, I don't believe that sex is about the mechanics. It's not about, are we having sex? Mm Mm-hmm. Are we having sex often? Are we not having sex often? It's is there emotional availability and connection within sex and outside of sex? Mm. Because they are a symbiotic relationship. Emotional connection outside of sex is going to enhance your experience within sex, and your emotional attachment within sex is going to enhance your emotional relationship outside of sex. Yeah. So they they feed each other. They're not unique or separate from each other. Okay. So that's why I think it's really valuable to uh, how it's impactful on the sexual life of a relationship. Yeah. Do you think that you can have one without the other? Like you said symbiotic, mm-hmm. but do you think you can have one without the other or that one is, is more important than the other? Let's say... Good question. Tricky question. (laughs) Um, I think you can have emotional connection, emotional intimacy without sex. Mm. And I think you can, but I don't think you can have good sex without emotional intimacy. Okay. Um, What what do you qualify as good sex? Satisfying for each person within the, the relationship. Okay. So I think that's a subjective. So I'm just going to play the advocate, devil's mm-hmm. advocate here. A lot of people, um, you know, have had one night stands or quick mm-hmm. flings or quick affairs or um, relationships that are not emotionally engaged. And they would say, well, gosh, that was great sex. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, my dopamine was high. I was very much enjoying myself. Right. And uh, why are you saying that that wasn't good sex? Because... Um, of the purpose of sex, and those are short, um, fleeting experiences. Mm. So when you have sex, there is a um, physiological response that your body has been designed to respond a certain way, mm-hmm. and that's going to feel enjoyable. Mm-hmm. The mechanics of sex is enjoyable. That's that's one of the tricky parts of like sexual abuse. Because one of the shames is I enjoyed it. Yeah. And so 
And of course you did. You were created and designed for those touches, mm-hmm. and those experiences to be pleasurable. Yeah. But like on a one night stand, uh, there's maybe two consenting adults Yeah. that in, have a moment of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. But those moments of enjoyment are, like I said, short. But within a monogamous relationship or within marriage, the um, it, that's where it becomes symbiotic. Okay. So the emotional intimacy outside of sex allows, enhances the sexual experience because it's not just mechanical. Yeah. It becomes emotional. It becomes physical. It becomes spiritual. Uh, and it then is not short-lasting. Mm-hmm. So they'll have the experience of enjoying that the mechanical experience of the dopamine, the serotonin, mm-hmm. the cortisol all being re- Oxy- cortisol. Oxytocin. Oxytocin, thank you. <laughs> Probably cortisol too, actually. Actually, it lowers your cortisol. Right. Yeah. Those are going to be released, but that's going to only strengthen the foundation of what's already there. Mm-hmm. And so if there is an emotional connection outside of that, that sexual experience, it's going to be brought into it, and all of those chemicals are going to wash over the brain and enhance and strengthen the foundation that's already there. Mm. And as you continue that cycle, mm-hmm. it continues to grow and grow and grow and build and build yeah. until as and continue growing to be a satisfying and, and fulfilling fulfilling experience. Yeah. We just kind of jumped right in there t- today, didn't we? We did. That was, <laughs> that was like core stuff right there. Yeah. The way they kind of dance together mm-hmm. and, Really, I think you painted the picture of what the ideal sexual relationship can look like right. and really how it was designed even. Right. And that's, I think we're talking about the difference between intimacy and enjoyment. Yeah. Right. Because uh, sex is created to be enjoyable, but you can ha- enjoy it without having intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of see it like a sex isn't the answer for intimacy. Right. It's an outcome of established intimacy. Satisfying sex is yeah. the good good sex, yeah. which which we would say is um not just uh I'm here for me, you're here for you, let's enjoy each other and move on with our life. Or enjoy ourselves with each other. Right. Like it's really um that is just a hundred percent self serving. Mm-hmm. Um and I think most people would be honest i think a lot of people would be honest about that mm-hmm. that those types of engagements are just purely kind of carnal yeah. and uh <laughs> to fill up yourself mm-hmm. whereas a long-term lasting relationship where there's already that underlying emotional intimacy you're building and that safety you're creating sex becomes this amazing good sex becomes this amazing outcome of all the work you've done mm-hmm. to create intimacy thank you said it perfectly. And it just reminds me of some of our other conversations that we talked about, like um, having bids, sharing parts of our story. All of that only happens within safety mm-hmm. and commitment. Because if if I don't think that you're committed to me or you're not going to accept me for sharing this part of my story or for sharing a way you hurt me, I'm not going to share that because there's that uncertainty. Are you going to leave me? Yep. And so you take that same dynamic and put it within a sexual experience. We're only, if there's no safety, we're holding ourselves back. Mm-hmm. 
we're holding ourselves back from serving the other person. Yeah. We're holding ourselves back of giving those bids, of engaging. And I think everybody, if they're honest, can know when you're holding themselves back when you're in a conversation. Yeah. That, okay, there's a disconnect here. Yeah. It's palpable. um, Yeah. The same way within sex. Mm -hmm. If I don't feel safe, then I'm going to hold back parts of me. Yeah. um, Definitely. Which will take away from the experience. It will. Just like it takes away from conflict. It takes away from conversation. takes away from the bids that we offer. When you're not fully present Mm -hmm. and when that safety is not created to be able to be fully Mm -hmm. present. And so mm-hmm. without that safety, so if it's just a one-night stand, there is no safety. Mm-hmm. So you're missing out on the intimacy of being known, being accepted, being loved. Because there's there's something to say for being loved for being a good person. Mm-hmm. There's something to say for being loved for being a good person and also failing. Yeah. We've talked about like something that was so powerful in our marriage is me realizing that you didn't just love me because I was a perfect husband or perfect mm-hmm. father. You love me. You love that part of me. But you also love me knowing that mm. I was a broken person. Yeah. And that I failed you and that you're still, you're going to be there to walk with me through those. Yeah. And that brings a whole new dynamic. It does. Uh, I think it's like agape love really would be, it's not fully as, as pure as God can give um, that unconditional love, yeah. but I think we're made to want that. And so, yeah, it's great for a lover to see us as amazing and beautiful and accomplished and all these things. Right. But we know that's not the whole package. Yeah. We are so much more than our outward um, trophies and image that we project mm-hmm. to the world. We're we're a deeply complicated and in many areas of our life, broken and hurting person. And to be able to be loved every ounce of that Mm -hmm. and received and that there's safety for that and almost like um a welcome of that Mm -hmm. an invitation of those parts of you too to come together with your lover to be seen and known and fully embraced that's why i think sex can be such a such a taste of heaven Mm -hmm. because we get to experience that full embrace in the midst of knowing all parts of us as much as you can reveal humanly speaking it's so otherworldly and i think that's why so many people are drawn to sexual intimacy and even become addicted to it because we long for that type of connection absolutely yeah i wasn't planning on saying that but as you said something something it came to my mind i was listening to another podcast and they were talking about uh, like agape love, phileo love, mm. and eros, erotic mm. love, and how we're taught that eros love is like the erotic love, the romantic love. Yeah. And he was actually talking about within the Bible, that time of love is actually described as phileo love because eros is actually a self-seeking mm. love. It's, wow. It's, uh, it is erotic, and it's only – I'm – Search seeking out a sexual gratification for only my needs. Yep. But a phileo love is more of the I'm seeking to love myself by loving you, and you, like so it's that mutual exchange of we can only be fully loved when I'm loving somebody else. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really fascinating dynamic mm-hmm. addition. Yeah. To this 
um, conversation of sexuality and, and sex. With so, so you're saying when they talk about relation, like um, uh, romantic partners in the Bible, they're using the word phileo love. Yeah. Um, not, not eros. That's so amazing. So it's actually like friendship love, mm-hmm. which friendship love is based off of God love, right. agape love. It's like the baby of agape love. <laughs> right. That's really so cool yeah to think about like you you find a mate and you become not to be corny but it's like you become their best friend Mm -hmm. for all of life you you go on that journey with them and you love them as the best friend that they need right and the goal shouldn't be this passionate erotic love that type of love is actually a self-seeking love Mm. phileo love is the love that is other serving and therefore self-serving. Right. It's so crazy that in serving others in a healthy relationship, you end up being so satisfied mm-hmm. because that mutuality of that, like the give I and take the exchange. Yeah. We, we have this exchange. That's such a gift to both of us because we're both giving and both receiving. Mm-hmm. It is such a gift. And it even, it creates, it creates the passion like the passion isn't isn't negative, but that that strong drive to consume another right. and in in spite of what they need, right? And really loving them, it's just for you. That's not what we're made for yep. at all yep. as humans. That will destroy us. Right. But in loving one another um, selflessly, that an outcome of that is that good sex, that mm-hmm. passionate, that fervor for one another, mm-hmm. because you feel so you're experiencing the purest kind of love this side of heaven yeah when there's that serving love there's it creates a safety of when i do take that leap or that bid my friend is going to be there to love me mm. i'm not jumping into this bid on my own and as we practice that within communication that creates a safety so that we can then mm. offer bids pursue each other without the fear of of rejection yeah because our attachment is going to play in that if you avoid an alien attached you're going to say it's not worth pursuing her because or him because he's just going to reject me mm-hmm. he's not safe or i'm not going to pursue because maybe he'll maybe they'll accept me this time or not this time with the anxious attachment mm. and so if you take a step back and look at your relationship of how do i pre- how do i interact with my spouse or significant other outside of sex, if you take an honest look, you're going to see those same patterns within sex. Mm. That is going to, you're going to have those same fears, those same hesitancies, those same patterns, and therefore you're you're not able to experience and holding back. So if a couple notices or someone listening to this notices, wow, there's really not good safety and strong attachment in side of sex for me and my spouse and outside feels weak too Mm -hmm. i'm overwhelmed i want these areas to be better but i don't know where to start what would you say is the best direction to go i would say that you focus outside of the sexual intimacy to try to say we just need to have sex more or make sex more exciting or have it more often is going to be counterproductive because it doesn't create, like I said, it, a good way of looking at it is it just enhances what's already there. Mm. 
And so if there's that emotional safety outside of sex, it's going to enhance that. But if there's emotional, if you don't feel emotional safety outside of sex, it's probably going to enhance that as well. Yeah. <laughs> is because you're going to feel vulnerable. You're going to feel raw. You're going to feel exposed. And it's not going to create a good experience because yeah. you're, you can feel each other holding, holding something back and mm-hmm. you're, you're going to bid and you're just going to be, they're holding back. So there's going to be a missed bid and mm-hmm. it's just going to, the risk of trying to focus on building emotional intimacy within sex is a high risk. Yeah. Because it's such a vulnerable part of you. And, it, and you don't have that, the scaffolding or the foundation outside of sex to build onto. Yeah. And so it, I, would, I would recommend uh, focusing on the emotional attachment mm-hmm. outside of sex before you address the emotional attachment within sex. Yeah, that's really good. And I think we can bring back those um, those pointers that we get we gained in last podcast mm-hmm. about being um, accepted, belonging, finding comfort and safety, the ABCs, mm-hmm. um, those things that we can give one another yeah. help create that foundation absolutely of that will grow and foster a healthy secure attachment yeah yeah i think those are very important for you to experience outside of sex because mm-hmm. if they're like again if they're not there yeah. outside of sex you can't manufacture that experience inside of sex yeah there's going to be maybe a satisfying experience mm-hmm. but afterwards where does that leave you right after that that time you spent together and where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see how there's a lot of vulnerability there. And, yeah. it, and it makes sense to work together, creating those things in your relationship overall. Mm-hmm. And then as those are, things are growing, even if they're just baby buds and they're growing, yeah. bring that into your bedroom Absolutely. and begin to explore sex in a way that feels um, that the safety is there but there's more vulnerability than before. Right. Right. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. Well, it happens when you, when you, your podcast person says such amazing things and you're just focusing so much on I was their beautiful face by your beauty and <laughs> their amazing commentary. Um, you just get lost. You're talking about the building up emotional intimacy outside Mm -hmm. and i just remembered yes good work yes as you were saying that i was just reminded of people i've worked with in the past of wives who try to muster up Mm -hmm. the ability to have sex hoping that it will create intimate the, the emotional intimacy outside of sex yeah and the hurt and disappointment mm. of the feeling after sex of almost betrayal betrayal of themselves but also like a sacrifice yeah like, that they were taking advantage of yeah almost. yeah i thought it was gonna be i thought i was doing this i give you had, my body you give me your heart right and it's it was a one-way exchange mm, so painful and the hope is great i'm hoping that i we can have this emotional connection that i desired but the reality is if they're not doing it outside of sex, they're not going to know how to do it within sex. Yeah. Because again, it's yeah the vulnerability is is too much. Yeah. I am thinking 
just because I like to think of exceptions to these things always. That's mm-hmm. just how my brain works. Um, I'm thinking about how sometimes, like, what we're saying is sex is not a tool. Right. It's not a tool. However. It's not the magic pill. Right. And it shouldn't be used and manipulated. Like, right. it, it's a tender, sacred place between a couple. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking of things like makeup sex. Yeah. Everyone loves some good makeup sex. Absolutely. And there's, there's purpose and value in that. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that as a tool. It's like a, a reconnection. Right. We were reconnected emotionally. Now we reconnect physically. Well, that's the thing. If if makeup sex is not used for the initial step of making up, right? Like, like let's not talk about this big conflict in right. the room. Let's, let's just have sex and feel bad. Right. But are you not having, healthy? Not good. So that's again. That's that would be a tool of fixing the problem. Yeah. But if you're made up, reconnected, and now emotionally attached after yeah. sex. And both parties feel comfortable moving forward. Right. Yeah. It w- I would say it would be important that there'd be safety to say, I know we made up. Right. I love you. I want to be with you. But I this is too raw for me still to do that right now. And the other spouse receiving that yeah. and not assuming, um, not letting their insecure attachment drive their interpretation of that. Yeah. Like, okay, we can we can reconnect tomorrow. They need some more time to, you know, safety grows. Yeah. And sometimes and trust grows. Yeah, it's just it's not right, and that needs to be okay too. And also expanding our understanding and definition of sexuality. Yes, that we are now emotionally connected. Yeah. Now let's sit here and hold each other. Right. It doesn't need to be maybe full like fully clothed. Yeah. It, like there's there's still that sensual mm-hmm. reconnection. Mm-hmm. Makeup sex doesn't have to be sexual intercourse. Yeah. We can make up and emotionally reconnect and physically reconnect yeah. in other ways where that there's safety. Right. Depending on how fragile the conflict was right. and how hurt hearts were. Exactly. It's being sensitive to your spouse. It's and, that attunement. Yep. I'm attuning, I'm engaging, I'm responding yeah. to where my spouse is at. That's so good. Um, the other thing I was thinking uh, as kind of an exception is like um, sometimes when you, again, already have decent emotional attachment, secure attachment, um, you're working towards, there's times where just there's like depressive lulls, um, just months that are hard and that connecting cognitively like through conversation is just like you don't have it in you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's been sickness or sleepless nights when you have babies or things that just like you, you want that connection with your spouse, but to do the heavy lifting of like emotionally and intellectually connecting feels too hard and sex feels just easy and accessible. And in those cases, again, that feels more like a tool, but it's really just utilizing a beautiful part of marriage in an intentional way. Mm Um, to be able to have that quick connection with your spouse. And and then that really can carry you through the next several days, even if you yeah. don't have a lot of time to to connect it on a heart level. Build on what's already there. Yeah. Carry you through. Yep. Reconnect in a deep way, quick, without the emotional heavy lifting. Right. Or a long conversation or even not having a lot of time. Yeah. You know, have hours to talk to each other. Right. And especially with kids or sicknesses like you were saying there's yeah. a lot of things life gets in the way yeah 
of of connecting. Yep. Um, so they're being it's attuning to your relationship and to your spouse mm-hmm. and knowing where you're at and what it can handle. These there's no prescription. Yes. For a good sex life or a good marriage or how many times you should have be having sex or who should be have the higher sex drive and mm-hmm. who should be pursuing it more. It's it, what we're talking about is just guidelines. Yeah. Some principles, think, principles to think about, uh, be aware of, conversations to have, mm-hmm. in, insight. That brings me to another thought. Why do you think it is that it's so hard to talk about the nuances? <laughs> Almost said a different term that would have been really funny <laughs> of sex. Like, with your spouse mm. to sit down and be like, let's talk about what you like, what you want, what what we're doing, the frequency that like, why like, is that? Let's talk about so... sex, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was my childhood right there. I should have never heard that terrible song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something. Um, why is that so hard? Even when there's mutual respect yeah. and love. I mean, that's been a place of great growth for us, and I'm so glad we feel more comfortable, but I just know it's been challenging. It is a really hard conversation. Super vulnerable. Yeah. Do you find with your clients that it's challenging for them? Yeah, absolutely. I think so much goes into that, and I think it's different for every person and every couple. Yeah. But there is like that risk of, one, if you haven't come up in a family who talks about sex, mm. who celebrates sex, mm-hmm. then it's maybe a taboo. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. It's it's a dirty word. You shouldn't talk about it. Um, so you don't have a language to talk about it. You don't have space to talk about it. And if you talk about it, you're perverted mm. or can be seen as, oh, you're just, why do you always think about it? You, you have all these, we all have preconceived notions of what other people think about sex mm-hmm. and what you think about it. Yeah. So if it's not a safe place, then you already, you're going into it saying, okay, this person is not going to view me with understanding. Yeah. So attachments going into that. Yeah. Culture's going into that. Uh, previous experiences is going into that. You're not good at what you don't practice. That's true. If you've never talked about what sex is supposed to look like and what yeah. it's what you're allowed to want or yeah. how to verbalize your needs, then you don't have the language mm-hmm. and the tools to have that conversation. And that uncharted territory just feels better to avoid. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep having sex and whatever, but let's just not say anything. Let's just hope it figures to, itself to, out. To osmosis, we're going <laughs> to yeah. uh, figure this complicated, dynamic, yeah, vulnerable. Which obviously there out. is some of the that you do figure out during. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there obviously is that give and take and like attunement to what your spouse is enjoying or not enjoying. Right. But it doesn't have to be nonverbal. Intuitive. Right. right. Like it, it can come outside of the bed and be a verbal exchange where you actually can explore that yeah. in more detail and, and understand. Would, we would encourage people yeah. to do that. Yeah. I think it's super healthy. And you might be surprised things that you assumed about your spouse that may actually not be as accurate as you right. thought. And how amazing for them to know you want to know. You mm-hmm. care. You want to know what their heart longs for and what what they enjoy and like their preferences. It's like if you're cooking this their favorite gourmet meal, like why wouldn't you want to know how they like their steak cooked right. and what type of and ten years down the road? Oh, I liked it medium rare. I've been cooking it well done this whole time. Why don't you tell me? Yeah, yeah. 
that's it's, it's been a simple conversation yeah you would have, or multiple conversations right. through time yeah and, and you can you can cater like you have a spouse who loves you you know in the context of a healthy relationship you can have whatever you want mm-hmm. why wouldn't you order what you want right yep. <laughs> when you can yeah and i think that's another thing is people don't know what they're allowed to want mm. and again preconceived teachings yeah of this is bad this is good and so throughout marriage like well i would like to try something else or and not knowing that i'm even allowed to have that conversation yeah or share my needs mm-hmm. or desires mm-hmm. or wants or fantasies or curiosities and... yeah i have a i have a good story for that okay so i don't think i shared this before we were married super young we were 19 and 20. If you I, don't didn't what, I don't know what story she's going to share. <laughs> oh, you should start sweating over there. And we were not experienced, if you know what I mean. And uh, we entered into marriage very much in love, mm-hmm. very much growing our attachment, but really quite broken. Both had uh, insecure attachment styles. Right. And I remember like a year in, a friend of mine, a good mm. friend of mine, who was like my personality, but like <laughs> even more, just so, how would you even describe her? Just like grab life by the balls. Wow, that's probably not the best. <laughs> <laughs> grab life by the horns. Is there another expression? <laughs> I think you're just digging yourself deeper. <laughs> just a real go getter. And um, super fun and confident yeah. and bold with with her with her life. So, anyways, she was newly married too, and it was within she, the first year. Yeah, within the first year, she told me um, she she wasn't afraid to talk about sex. She was one of the few. I've always talked about sex with all my friends, and some are more comfortable than others. But this one was very comfortable, and she was just saying like, "Women should have orgasms as much as men." And I was like, "Really?" And I hadn't read that in any of the books I read or any of the conversations I had had. And um, I was just like, huh, okay. Well, I'll talk to my husband about that. We, we're just like going along for the ride. It's been good, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had this conversation and you were this incredibly non-arrogant, I'm here to serve my wife and learn and grow and become an amazing husband kind of guy. And we were just like, okay, well, we'll change our expectations. We didn't know. We didn't even know that was an expectation, that this is more for him. This is less for me. You're going to have more pleasure than me, and I'm just going to be okay with that. It wasn't like some contract we signed. It wasn't even conscious decision that we made. No. We had no idea until that expectation was challenged that that even was the framework we had. Yeah. Yeah. We just didn't know. So that's, I'm so thankful that didn't happen 10 years into marriage because we just, we were able to go a different direction and and pursue more more mutual pleasure instead of just like, well, yeah, I'm here for the ride. And and sometimes I'll experience that, but this is more for you, Mm -hmm. which is what we got from culture Mm -hmm. and church culture. Mm That's what we absorbed all along, and we created our own culture, right. our own sexual, healthy sexual sexuality environment for us. And it was such a gift, even that conversation, because we wouldn't have known to explore that. Right. Absolutely. And to question, well, is this actually a healthy expectation? And I don't think it was. I don't I think we'd agree. be where we're at now if we didn't shift. <laughs> shift and have conversations and we had a lot of conversations outside of sex mm-hmm. of, we did they were uncomfortable yeah we did not know how to have those conversations <laughs> yeah 
but we modeled along we did those conversations and they get more comfortable and they got mm -hmm. easier to have and to share and but again we didn't have a language we weren't taught how to have conversations right regarding sex so we yeah create our own culture and environment of safety and i'm thankful for that yeah me too and i just want to say um the expectation isn't you know regarding that conversation specifically isn't it has to be right the same because that could put you on the other end of things and create too much pressure right. for something that doesn't have to be the same. Their physiology of men and women's bodies are different and the ability to climax is different. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us creating that, okay, the expectation is this, if it's desired, we'll make it happen. If it's not, don't worry about it. Right. But instead of it being like, okay, well, the expectation is you do, I don't, unless I ask right. or you know I, i'm trying to even think what the alternative would be but it wouldn't be comfortable for a woman to have it be the expectation is no unless i i think request right and i think that's the the shift is the expectation is they both are valuable to, for the experience to be mutually enjoyable and that doesn't mean it has to be mm -hmm. but the conversation is questions asked is this what you want rather than assuming that it's not unless you say you, you do want to climax. Right. You're saying the question is asked outside of? Outside. It's, I think it's more of an assumption. I don't even think it's a question. It's just an assumption that you make from the very beginning that that's the direction you pursue. I think that's how it's been more for us. And then if you don't, you just, you you make it known that you don't need that. I'm affirming that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Maybe I didn't say it was clear, but yeah. that, that's, I'm agreeing that yes, it was, it shifts to the assumption is, the goal is both orgasm mm -hmm. unless it's said that they don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than assuming that the woman doesn't. Right. Unless she says she desires it. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a shift of, of a conversation prioritizing both needs. Mm -hmm. As we're talking about this, you were mentioning male and men and women's physiology is different. Yeah. And there's stereotypes to that. Mm -hmm. And then there's realities to that. Sure. I think another part of the conversation that goes into not having the conversation is shame. Yes. So like the male is supposed to have a high sex drive mm -hmm. and the woman is not supposed to have a high sex drive. Yeah. That's crap. <laughs> right. That's so stupid. Where did we get this from? Uh, it's, it's a stereotype in culture. It is a stereotype. Yeah. And there can be truth to it, but I, th I think it goes all the way back to like patriarchy if i can say that word on this podcast that's our podcast so i think you can <laughs> like the idea that i mean that's it we're still reaping the fruit of that mentality for for centuries all from that is that's why the male's orgasm is prioritized it's the same thing as shame oh wait yeah. a woman wants to have an orgasm oh that's weird yeah it's no it's not that's normal yeah, yeah <laughs> right she's a sexual being just as he is right yeah um and that's uh, reanalyzing your your assumptions and your biases of what you're coming into this conversation with. Yeah. So having this conversation, you have to look at what are your biases, what are your assumptions, where has culture, patriarchal culture influenced you? Even within Christian culture, the purity culture. So if a woman has a high sexual drive within purity culture, she's not allowed to have that. Mm. And so all of a sudden she has the shame of, I actually want to have sex more than my husband. Yeah. Or or just as much as my husband, but that's not okay. Yeah. 
I've been told that that's not okay. I'm supposed to just be serving him. I'm supposed to be just along for the ride. Yeah. And so I've seen so many mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. having a higher sex drive than their husbands and being so ashamed of that. Yeah. Ashamed to verbalize it because then it makes their husband feel less manly or yeah. sharing it and making her feel less feminine. Yeah. So it's that dynamic of there isn't like we don't have control of our sexual drives. Right. There's so many factors so that many, go into that. Right. Yeah. And so for a woman to, to be ashamed that she has a high sexual drive, that's not something she's chosen. Sure. And for a male to not have a high sexual drive isn't something he's chosen. Right. I was going to say there's just as much shame on that side. Um, right. If he feels like he should have the higher drive and he may avoid his wife needs even to not fulfill that situation where he doesn't of her having more and him having less like that that might just create so much shame for him that he may avoid it altogether because it's so hard to accept that they just have a different drive Mm -hmm. so both of them can be in this shame storm their relationship when really there's so much freedom there there can be so much freedom and understanding and a beautiful attachment despite the differences in the drive and the differences that culture says are swap right whereas there is no swapping like right. that it is cultural that says who should yeah whereas physiologically it it's whatever is yes yep and just having and that's a way of that emotional attachment mm. comes into play of am i safe to have this conversation to say that my sexual drive is high mm. when I know yours is lower yeah. or when, when the man's is actually, is not just lower, but is low. Yeah. And can we have this conversation? Is it, is the male feel safe to say, I don't I feel like having sex mm-hmm. without feeling like he's not a man, manly enough. Yeah. Or for a woman to say, I know we had sex last night, but can, I, can we have sex again? Mm-hmm. And without saying the feeling too manly, mm-hmm. but saying, no, I just, and, this is just who I am and we can accept it and without shaming each other in this conversation. And we can swap those and we can say for the woman with the low drive and the man with the high drive. Right. And I mean, like this is why marriage is so not prescriptive. It's Mm -hmm. a relationship. It's a, it's organic, like living connection. Like we talked about last week, it's a dance. Mm. It's a flow of we're reacting to each other, for each other. Yeah. For the for creating a beautiful performance. Yeah. Dance of, of marriage. Mm-hmm. And we we have to be connected and in tune to each other in order to do that. Yeah, definitely. But, but we also have to be safe enough to make mistakes. Right. The dance metaphor, stepping on each mm-hmm. other's toes. Yeah. Or making mistakes. And I think with the freedom of being able to bring it into light, and bring it into the conversation, it it gives so much, like I'm thinking for the wife who has the lower drive and who in her mind says, well, I need to give my husband this amount of sex, Mm -hmm. this often, this, this long, whatever, who pressured herself and has become just purely obligatory towards sex. Mm -hmm. Like sex is a duty and she does it to keep her husband happy because it's such there's such an unhealthy mindset there that she adopted through the years. And so then it becomes lifeless Mm -hmm. when 
it can come into the room and there can be clarity and conversation and I'm, my sex drive is just lower. I could probably be fine with, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. I don't need it a lot. And I can see that you do. And he can talk about what it means to him and they can have that space to have that conversation when all those pressures can get taken off of her yeah. to perform. Right. And she can actually just say, I'm going to just connect with my husband. And if it leads there, great. Yes. The likelihood that that will be so much better sex over time is like, I'd probably put money on it if I was a gambling person. You have a great point. And I think that what you just said emphasizes the importance of the emotional attachment. When you ha have the emotional attachment within sex, it becomes less of a performance and a duty. Definitely. And when there's less duty, the feeling of, of duty and performance is able to work towards connection. But you can't, ha if you don't have safety, mm -hmm. you can't have the conversation. If you can't have the conversation, it doesn't become, the duty, you can't take that pressure the off. pressure doesn't come off. Yeah. That's one of the, it'll stay, stop you from uh, fully experiencing yeah. the sexual intimacy. Yeah. Because it's, it's not, even though it is for the other person, there's not the freedom of giving full yourself. Yeah. You're doing what you feel like you should be doing keeps the emotional connection away from the sexual experience, mm. which is, I think, the goal yeah. is, is that emotional connection. And we're we're obviously not saying like there's no level of good sex you can have without a deep emotional connection or a, a safe attachment. But we are saying you can only get so far. Mm -hmm. You can only experience um, the glory and beauty that sex is intended just to such a level until you have comfort, safety, belonging, acceptance, yeah. ABCs with your spouse. And also encouraging that you can experience even more than you already are experiencing. Right. Like there's more to be had for yeah. all of us, which is why close couples say like it, it gets better through the years. I used to hear that and I'm like, weird. Why would you say that? But now I'm the one saying that. Right. Like we've been together 14 years, almost 15 years, and it's I never pictured our relationship being so strong right. and our sex life being so healthy as it is now 10 years ago. Right. Even though 10 years ago, it was like, it was really good. And now we're looking back and we're like, wow. Yeah. It's we had so much room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to encourage you guys and give you some principles and some things to think about mm -hmm. in your in and talk your, about in marriage to encourage you to talk about, uh, have these conversations and that these conversations, they're not weird. They're not taboo. Yeah. Like they should be having, happening within your marriage to get on the same page, to pursue a more of an emotional and physical intimacy, and not to buy the lies of culture mm -hmm. and not to settle for the what you have. Right. The lesser thing that you have access to something more. Right. That you can create something more with your spouse. You know, continue sex is good and intimacy is good and yeah. emotional health uh, connection is good continue yes building on celebrate that. that celebrate it continue yep. building on that continue pursuing each other as you guys are pursuing personal emotional health and emotional health within your marriage and let that overflow into your sexual connection and i just want to leave you with one little word picture because i love word pictures and i love food and i love cake and I, as Luke and I were preparing for this episode, I just pictured this big, beautiful cake that is so tender and delicious 
and yummy. And your cake is your relationship. It's the emotional attachment you have in your relationship. It has a lot of ingredients. It's mm. a complicated product and it takes time to bake this beautiful cake, to watch it rise in the oven and get to full size and to be this delicious cake. I don't bake much, but the ingredients are, each ingredient is very important. It is. They're all important to make this um, successful cake. And so the cake is like the emotional relationship mm. and the frosting. It's good. It tastes good. Right? It tastes really good. It's so, it's like the hearty part of of the of your life, your yeah. relationship. But the frosting, we'll say buttercream. Mm, doesn't like buttercream right, frosting. Right, right. Um, or we could do cream cheese frosting. But it's it's the frosting, the delicious frosting is like the sex on the relationship. It is such an addition to an amazingly baked cake. Right. It takes it, the synergy of those two together takes it up, you know, 10 notches. Yeah. But that frosting, like a big, you know, spoonful of it on a plate by itself, eh. It's sweet, gives you a jolt, but that doesn't that doesn't create a beautiful masterpiece right. like delicious frosting on a really well made cake. So I think that's how I picture sex and emotional intimacy as they come together. The cake is the emotional connection that you've built into that's taken time and effort, yeah. and the frosting complements that so so well. Can you picture it? <laughs> The cake? The cake. Can uh, you picture yes, the Yes, I can picture the cake. Luke Roberts. <laughs> I, I think it is a really good imagery of, yeah. of what we've been talking about and how they work together. Yeah, I think it can be helpful for those visual people out there. Well, we will leave you guys on that note and we will... Go enjoy your cake. <laughs> go enjoy your cake. <laughs> Talk to you again next week. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.